0: You look so good today. Turn around and tell your neighbor. Say, you look nice this morning. Come on. Say, you look nice today. Oh man, it's good to be in God's house, what a great day it is to worship Jesus, and I'm just so glad that you're here. If this is your first time with us, it could be first time in the room with us worshiping, or maybe it's the first time on our online family and our campus there, so just glad you're there. But if this is your first time, we just want to tell you how glad we are that you're here. So Faith or New Family, would you let all of our first-time guests know you love and appreciate them today? Come on, Yeah. Amen. Please make yourself at home. Jump right in. If someone from our host team hasn't already said hello to you, please stop by this area to my right after service. Love to just meet you, give you a gift, and let you know how excited we are that you're here. Amen. And uh, again, just make yourself at home today. But I'm excited this morning. God is, is doing some great things. We're in a series right now called Relationship Goals. And if you don't know, man, we have been taking deep dive into the relationships in our life and what that looks like how we can learn, grow from those things, and, and again, just, uh, again, build those things. And I love it. Man, we have spent, like, I guess, eight weeks on marriage. If you missed that, you need it or know someone who does, encourage them. Go back and look at and, and those and watch those videos, listen to those on podcasts, whatever whatever it is that you use those things. But uh, over the last several weeks, we've been doing this. We've been looking at our relationship with Holy Spirit. And how uh, I many know there's a, not a force, not an it. It's the person. It's the God himself who is so good. And it's so gracious to us. And so we develop that and build that. And one of the things we've learned in this relationship series is that we have to listen. And uh, we talked about communication, when, you know, in family and in marriage and those, uh, those areas that we have to learn to listen. And this week I was just really hard on my heart. as about spending some time teaching, speaking on, listening to the Holy Spirit. Uh, communication, remember, it doesn't happen if there's not an exchange, so again, we learned last week fellowship with the Holy Spirit. that There's an exchange that happens, and so I was uh, going to be speaking and teaching on that this morning. And I remembered this uh, several years back. Adam led an incredible conference. If you missed that, on four keys to hearing God's voice, and so I was going to. Uh, I reached out to him. We talked, and he's going to share those four keys with you this morning. I'm super excited. Adam, come around, man. If you would let Adam know you love and appreciate him, who's going to be sharing this? And I tell you, man, I just believe God's going to speak to your heart. Open your heart. Get ready for what God's going to do. This is going to be critical. It's going to be crucial in you uh, having that relationship with the Holy Spirit that you need so much. Adam, talk to us, bro.
1: Well, it's good to be here. I'm excited to get a chance to, to share with you all. And uh, the, the the message that we're talking about is going to be how to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Terry already gave it away that the me, the way that we do that is understanding how we listen, and I'll get to that in a moment. But I want to start by uh, turning to First Samuel chapter three. So if you have your Bibles or your digital Bible, go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. And while you're doing that, if you are a Uversion user, this is also uh, like all of our sermons out there on UVersion. So you can go out there, check more than events, and just search Faith Renewed and find this. And uh, these notes are there for you to follow along with. So if you have 1 Samuel chapter 3, just give me a whoop-whoop. Yeah. So starting in verse four, and the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. And Eli said, I did not call, lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. He answered, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. I think that's in there because Samuel was probably getting a little angry at Eli at this point. And the Lord called Samuel again in the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, this is my inflection. Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived... Let's not get like Eli, guys, where it takes a while for us to perceive what's happening in the spirit. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and it shall be if he calls you that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak, for your servant hears. And I want to jump down and get verse 15 as well. And it's it's important because it says, so Samuel laid down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. See, when God wants to come and meet to you, he wants to open the doors of his entire house to you. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli. That's because the message wasn't too good for Eli. So this morning I was thinking about where do we start when we start thinking about how to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? And I realized that it centers a lot around our purpose. I I don't know if you guys know, but most of you may, that we homeschool our kids. And the other day I was coming downstairs and saw Devin sitting at our kitchen table and we have a long kitchen table kind of rectangular but long and he has enough space, but he had this space filled. He's had multiple books out. He had papers strewn about in different places. The computer was open off to the side and he was there studious, very leaning over, very intent in what he was doing. And I was like, man, this kid is studying. So I walked up and I looked over his shoulder and here he was scribbling away on a piece of paper. And I thought to myself, isn't this just like the picture of life? You know, we have a plan, we have things in front of us to do, but sometimes we can be aimless and we can be just scribbling on a piece of paper, going about doing things that we want to do instead of the things that maybe he has put before us to do. See, we know that we have a purpose and we know, I hope that we know, if you don't know, today is the day for you to get to know Jesus, but we know that Jesus is our purpose. And that in him, we have life and we have it more abundantly. So we have this purpose in Jesus, but even as Christians, we get stuck. Right? We don't know what does God want us to do and what am I supposed to be doing now? Well, we have some examples in scripture. We can go to the Great Commission, right? In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. Mark, in his gospel, he added into that that those that believe are also going to cast out demons and heal the sick. So we have a mission. We have a purpose, right? We also know that we're created for good works. In Ephesians 2.10, he says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we have a purpose. We're created for good works. And then we know that God called us to preach the gospel. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.9 says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. So we have a purpose we're to make disciples of all nations. We're to baptize all nations. We're to teach all nations. We're to deliver all nations. We're to heal all nations. We're called to good works. We're called to preach the gospel. This is our purpose. See, now you guys know. You know what you're supposed to go do today. Right? You've got it. Right? But see, the nations are a bit big. So where do I start? Who do I talk to today? Where do I go today? What Good works do I do today, and how do I figure that out? Now, you may feel like you have it all together, and I'm not discounting that. God has given you a purpose and a mission, and I'm glad. Go after what God has given you. At the same time, even those of us who think we have it all together, you may have heard that story about Devin and gone, gosh, if that was me, I wouldn't have been color, and I'd have been working on the things that God has me to do. But maybe what God had you to do was to color. See, what we may think God has for us may not be what he has for us. We have his purpose, but do we know what to do today? And how do we figure that out? So one answer is the Bible. We know that we have the Bible. In fact, the law, God's word, was one of ways that God helped answer this question for the Israelites. You're going to do these things. he gave them very clear laws, but we know that we're not under the law. In Galatians 5, starting in verse 1, it says, stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. We're not supposed to live under laws. We don't do things just because we're told that this is a law that we do. Verse 16, it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit." And you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So I would propose to you that our calling can be summarized as walking in the spirit. I mean, we know, as we learned over the past few weeks, that Jesus sent the spirit. The Spirit was sent to us to be our comforter, to be our guide, to be with us. We also know that the Spirit teaches us all things. He, Jesus said in, in John 14 He that the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. He will bring to your remembrance those things that you need. So we know that if we are led by the Spirit, then we will walk in the will of God. I heard a pastor or a preacher say that way one time. He says, so if you are led by the spirit, you will always walk, you will always walk within God's will. So there you go. You've got it. If you want to be in God's will, all you have to do is be led by the spirit. And you guys all know how to be led by the spirit, right? Right? I mean, can you tell me how to be led by the spirit? I mean, we probably have a lot of ideas, right? We probably have a lot of ideas, and I want to give you a few today to help bring some practical applications to this concept of walking in the Spirit. Because we know that this is God's desire for our life, but we don't always know how to walk it out. So how do we walk in the Spirit? Well, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've met with someone and you started a conversation, and you started to talk, and you started to tell them all about the things that are going on in your life and the things that you're doing, and you tell more about the things that God's doing in your life, and you just you talk, and and you just reveal all these things. And then the conversation ends, and you walk away, and you're like, man, that person's so nice. Oh, really, what they're like? I don't know, because we did all the talking. In fact, this is kind of how we tend to approach prayer, isn't it? We go to God and we start talking and we tell him all the things that we want him to do, all the things that's going on in our life, all the things that's going on in other people's lives. And we talk and we talk and we talk and you walk away and he goes, that was a great conversation. (laughs) But what did he say? So I would propose to you that the way we walk in the spirit is to listen to the spirit because it's only when we're listening to the spirit that we're going to hear him tell us what we're to do. And remember, be open, because it may be to color a picture. So I'm going to give you four keys, four keys to hear God's voice. And I can guarantee you that if you do these four keys, you will hear the voice of God. Guarantee it, that's a money back guarantee, by the way. (laughs) So the four keys are, quiet yourself down, fix your eyes on Jesus, tune to flow, and write the vision. So when we say quiet yourself down, that's something everybody can do, right? Say the word stillness. Psalm 62.5 says, My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. You know, one of the main things we knew need to do in order to get still before God is to just stop. We need to just stop and listen. You know, distraction and busyness is one of the devil's main powerful weapons. If he can keep us distracted, then we're not going to be listening to him and we're not going to be doing his work. And it's so easy to get distracted nowadays, right? I mean, technology makes it so easy. There's a few of us that remember going to the bathroom without a cell phone in our hands. But it's easy to fill our lives. We fill it with music. We fill it with streaming videos. We fill it with games. There's just always something we can put in our hands or put in front of our eyes. Psalm chapter one says to meditate on the law day and night. Meditate on the law day and night and the promise to that is is that you will be like a tree planted by streams of water whose leaf will not wither, but who will prosper. So our promise of having success in the things that we put our hands to to do is to meditate on the law. And that means to get still, to get still before the Lord and to, to let him be the one talking to us. So it's easier said than done. I understand that. Getting still before the Lord. If I told you we're going to take some time now, we're just going to listen to God. Because I don't know this by personal experience at all. We get to that place. The next thing that we know, we're putting a grocery list together in our mind. I need to get milk. I need to get eggs. Or you have all the to-dos that start popping up. I need to mow the lawn. I need to trim the hedges. But see, these aren't necessarily bad things, right? These are just the things in life. These are the things that our mind wants to throw at us. So I'm going to give you some, a, a, a way to handle these things. First of all, recognize, hey, when we do finally get still, our mind knows the things that are going on in our life. So it's good that these things are coming into our minds, and you should value them. Take the time, write them down. Give them place, give them value. Because then you can tell your mind, I took care of it. I took care of it. I valued that thought. I took care of it. Okay, so we're going to, to be able to still our mind through that. And I know, guys, it's not that easy. This, we're, we're talking about 12, about 12 hours of teaching that I'm going to talk to you here in about 30 minutes, right? So we're not going to answer all the questions of stilling our mind, and it's a difficult thing to do. But this is just one practical thing that you can do. Write it down. Let your mind know you've got, you've got it taken care of. It's important. The next thing that can get in our way is our emotions. And you know, especially strong emotions will get get in the way of being able to quiet ourselves down and hear the voice of God. Anger, fear, anxiety, these are very strong emotions. And you know, they whenever anxi- anxiety wants to rob us of peace. That's what it wants to do. And when we don't have peace, when we don't have peace in these areas, then we're not going to be able to experience the presence of God. So we need to look to Philippians. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus well, Adam, I thought you just told me I'm supposed to listen, not tell my requests. You see, there's a word in there called supplication. And that's actually the word meaning tell your requests. So this is really the same thing that we're doing with our mind, with our emotions. We're writing it down. We're giving it to God. Here, Here's this one. It's in my mind. It's not letting me go. Here's this one, and I'm gonna give it to you. And then we tell our minds, our emotions, you're with God, and then you allow the peace of God to come into your life. It may sound simple, I get that, but it's actually very practical. When we have those things, acknowledge them, give them to God, and then let his peace come over us. The other thing that tends to step in our way is ourselves. The things that we want, our will, right? See, our ambitions and desires are not bad. It's good to have ambitions and desires and to pursue the things that we want in life. But sometimes they can stop us from actually getting quiet and getting to where God wants us to be. It's that same concept of maybe what he really wants is for you to be coloring a picture. And you think that you have to be doing all these things. We have a to-do list that's a mile long every day, right? But is that what God's to-do list looks like? So if we stop and get with God, he's going to start to show us the things that we actually need to do, not the things that we want to do and we want to put on our to-do list. And some of them aren't to do. Some of them are just the things I want to do with my life. And it's very easy to justify the things that we want to do. So sometimes we have to tell our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions to get in line with God. I love when we sing songs that tell our soul to get in line, some of my favorite are "Bless the Lord, O my soul," "O my soul, worship His holy name," "Sing like never before, O my soul, I'll worship His holy name." Another one of my favorites is "Awake my soul and sing, sing His praise aloud, sing His praise aloud, aloud. Awake my soul." and sing. We sang this morning a line that I thought was profound. We're going to do a victory dance. I will dance loud in faith. Sometimes we have to do a dance in victory and tell our soul to get in line with the Holy Spirit. My favorite is from uh, this song. It says, come on my soul. What is that? Blessings? No. Uh, gratitude. Come on, my soul. Come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. You've got a lion inside of your lungs. So get up and praise the Lord. We got to tell our soul, get up and praise the Lord. Tell your mind, tell your emotions, tell your will, get up and praise the Lord. Because our soul doesn't always want to keep in line. So one of the best ways to get to quietness is our key number two. And that is to fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Say vision. Vision. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, and I start in the end of verse 1. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So what do we fix our eyes on? So what we fix our eyes on is what we focus on. What we focus on is what gets our attention. It's what gets our time. I, we, we sang a, a beautiful song this morning about fixing our eyes on Jesus. I don't know if you guys noticed it, but the whole song talked about fixing our eyes on Jesus. So what does fixing our eyes have to do with hearing God's voice? Glad you asked. I wanna turn to Habakkuk two, verses one and two. And Habakkuk's prophet, hearing from God. Habakkuk spent the first chapter, complaining to God about what was going on, and then he got quiet. And this is what the Lord said. So this is Habakkuk saying initially, he says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. I'm sorry, let me read that one phrase in the middle there again. And, he, and watch to see what he will say to me. What sense do we use for hearing again? Shouldn't it, shouldn't it say I'm going to listen to hear what he will say to me? That seems to make sense because that's logical. But see, God works in a different way and we are designed as people of imagery, See, this is something that you do. You may not even realize it. That story I told earlier about Devin, how many of you pictured a kitchen, a dining room table, books spread about, maybe even saw what was being drawn? So those of you who are very right brain maybe saw that. But see, when we open our eyes, God is going to show us. Things. He's going to give to us pictures, visions, and dreams. And it's about fixing our eyes. The words that we sang this morning were beautiful. It says, gaze on your beauty. Speaking of Jesus, we were saying, we sang, we want to gaze on your beauty. And then here's another line that we sang this morning. You are the most beautiful thing my heart has ever seen. Our eyes of our heart. You know, that's actually a scriptural phrase. The eyes of our heart. So we sang that our heart has ever seen. It's a beautiful thing. You know, it may, not, may seem weird to you to think about pictures, visions, and dreams. And, oh, I'm a little weird here with these type of things. But do you know that over a third of this book is written down visions and dreams? The, our, the foundations of our faith... Our visions and dreams. So to not believe in visions and dreams and not believe that God uses visions and dreams is a little bit contradictory to what we believe in our faith. So open up your minds. Let's look at what Jesus said. In John 5, verses 19 and 20, he says, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. See, Jesus did what he saw the Father doing. When we open our eyes to Jesus, we open our eyes to the Father, we can see what he is doing and come in line with what he is doing. How do we walk in the spirit? How do I know what I'm to do right now? What is Jesus doing? How do I know what Jesus is doing? I fix my eyes on him. And I look. And I see what he is doing. The father showed him because he loved him. We are God's children. He loves us. And he will show us the things that he is doing. The things that he wants us to be doing. So we need to become like Jesus. I know that don't about you, but the cry of my heart is that I would only do those things that I see Jesus doing. When we come to pray with someone, I would encourage you to pray and see, say, Jesus, what are you doing here? What is Jesus doing here? Invite him here. Where is Jesus? By the way, when two or three are gathered, he's there in the midst of them. Where is he? Okay. You know him, picture him. Is he sitting beside you? Is he standing over here? Is he watching? Jesus is right here. We can fix our eyes on him. We can be with him. Literally, we are with him. So my prayer is the same as Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. That God may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of your understanding become enlightened. The third key is to tune to flow. Say flow. Now we are getting weird, Adam. What does God's voice sound like? When, we, when, you read, when you heard the story of Samuel, did you picture like a movie scene where, you know, this is all happening on a screen and then you hear God's voice, this voice comes out and speaks, Samuel, Samuel. I mean, that's what I normally picture. I don't know about you, but that's what I picture. So what does God's voice sound like? How many of you have heard God's voice in that way? Samuel, Samuel. And no one? Someone's had to have at least heard God's voice like that once in their life. It happens. God does speak like that. But see, he's speaking all the time. And he's available to speak to you all the time. We don't need to wait for him to come to us. We can come to him. When we draw near to him, he draws near to us. So he's there to speak to us. So what does it sound like? I'm going to give you a suggestion. It sounds like a spontaneous flow of thoughts that go through your mind. The teacher of this course said that it, years, he would ask, I want to hear from God. How? What does his voice sound like? How do I hear it? But see, we hear it all the time. If you don't know, the word intercession means to light upon. Someone pops into your head. Oh, I'm thinking of so-and-so. You're having intercession. The Holy Spirit is putting someone on your mind. It just pops in there. So I'm not trying to be weird here. I'm trying to give you a biblical example that we step into the flow of the Holy Spirit and allow him to just be talking to us and trust that the thoughts that are lighting upon our mind are coming from the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we've quieted ourselves down and fixed our eyes on Jesus. John 7, 37 to 39 says this. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. So we're to drink in Jesus And out of our heart will flow rivers of living water. And then John explains that Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit. So we could say that the Holy Spirit will flow out of our heart. So we need to tune in to that flow. We're tuning into the river of God flowing out of our life. Why? Because we have been filled with him. If you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, go back and learn and listen to how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because it's out of being filled with the Holy Spirit that he will flow out of us and we can be listening. We can be tuned in to his flow. So this is not some kooky thing I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit will flow out of our hearts like rivers of living water. And that flow is the voice of God when we stop and we listen. And it may be that it is just a flow of thoughts that pop into our mind. It may be a picture. It may be a vision. And I encourage you to be open to what God does and how he shows you things. So you may be one of those people that go, well, yeah, this may be true for if you're right-brained, but I am not. I am very analytical. Well, I am very analytical. So I'm like you. I'm not one of those right-brained people that just can be super creative all the time. And you know the type. Before worship is even starting, they're bouncing and humming. First note hits, and they're like, oh, God, crying and overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. You're like, I wish I could be in the flow like that. And then there's some of us who 20 minutes later, we're like, oh, the Holy Spirit fell. You know this. They're like, man, 20 minutes into that worship service, the Holy Spirit just fell on that place. Well, the Holy Spirit was there. They stepped into the river 20 minutes in. I, I get it. You may be like me. An hour into worship, you're still standing there going, okay, God may be here, but I don't feel his flow. See, we know he's here. His presence is here. So it's not him. It's me. So I want to give you a couple of things to think about, about what's happening here. The first one is that you need to get into your right brain. We all do this. Even if you're not right-brained, you do this. Like, We hear about it when you're in the shower. All of a sudden, thoughts start popping into your mind. Or when you're driving along. Oh, the things just flow, right? Because you're driving along. Why do these things happen? Because you've disengaged. You've removed the distractions, all the things that have been keeping you busy and distracted. You've removed them so that you can tap into what God has created inside of us. And into his Holy Spirit that is inside of us. So we can tap into these things by stepping into the right brain. So how do I do these things? Well, you could just jump in the shower or go for a drive. But I would also encourage you to do things like enter into worship. Or, you know, fishing. You need to get quiet before God and you need to do something that is going to enable you to step into a place where God can talk to you. And out of the place of being distracted or reasoning or thinking that is going to keep us away from hearing from God. The second reason that this tends to happen is sin issues. And usually it's things that we don't even know are there. You may not go, oh, I've got this going on and I know I'm doing this. But you know what? There may be an attitude. There may be something that we've taken offense to. There may be just something that's come into our life, we may not even be aware of it, but it's there and it's gonna block us and prevent us from stepping into that flow. So what do we do? Well, sometimes we need a checklist in order to be creative. I do. (laughs) I need to get a checklist so that I can get into my right brain. But one of the best ones when you're dealing with something in your life or you think you might be dealing with something in your life is to step through the tabernacle of God. If you haven't looked at it, if you haven't studied it, I encourage you to do that. Go back and study the temple of God, the tabernacle of God, and how he's designed it, and how he's laid it out. Because it literally is a checklist, a step through the process of coming to him. We get cleansed, we align our heart with his, and then we step into the Holy of Holies. So if you want to step into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God, and you're not sure how to get there, follow the path of the tabernacle of God, and you will get there. But no matter what, there's no right way. The Holy Spirit is in you, and you can tune into his flowing river whenever you want. So the last, the fourth and final key is to write the vision. Write the vision. Say write. Looking back at Habakkuk 2, 1 and 2, it says, I will stand my watch And set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Where did we hear that a moment ago? Hebrews 12, 1 said to run with perseverance. Perseverance. Well, one of the ways that we can run is by to have his written word to us, to me, in front of me. So one of the main reasons we write the vision, besides the fact that scripture tells us to, is because it enables us to run. Another thing that it does, it helps us get out of the way. How many of you have started to hear something from God, and then the next thing you do is you start judging it? Oh, that can't be God. That, now he wouldn't really say that, would he? Right? So we have to get out of the way. By writing, we can get out of the way, because you know what? If it's written down, I can always go back and test it later. I don't have to judge it right now. I can just let him flow. Just let those thoughts flow through my mind, capture them, and then later I can go back and I can test it. And we should. We should always test the spirit. And this is what we're talking about. We're talking about listening to the spirit of God. Are we ever going to get it wrong? Yes. If you're getting it wrong, it means you're trying. But that's why we test it. That's why we have safeguards. I encourage you to make sure that you are bringing everything you write to the word of God. Bring everything to the word of God. Bring everything to someone else that's in the word of God. And pray over everyone, everything that you get. Go back into it. That's the next thing that you do with writing is it enables us to remember. It enables us to go back and say, what was it that you told me to God? What was it that you told me? And I'll tell you, when you start to do this process, you're going to get some very unique things. Like you go to God and you're like, God, I really have this really pressing thing going on at work today. And you go to start writing and he says, hey, I really love you. We may have an agenda. We may have things that are on our heart and on our mind, but he may have a completely different message that he wants to give us. We need to get out of the way and write it and just let it flow and not judge it. Trust in the flow of the Holy Spirit. Always go back and test, but trust. You know, what is this Bible, by the way? This right here is people. People. Who listened to the flow of the Holy Spirit and wrote it down? There's a whole thing. And this is what he, can, he, he asks us to do. So, if you would go ahead and stand with me this morning. You know, God has a call on your life, and that call is to walk in the Spirit. He wants you to go, to preach, to teach, to make disciples, to heal, to deliver, to do good works. And the way that we do that is by following the Holy Spirit. That desire is for an intimate and deep and personal relationship with him we're going to go ahead and open up the altars as we sing this final worship song this morning. And if the prayer team could come, I would appreciate it and stand about. Because, you know, I want you to take the time this morning to deal with some of these issues. First of all, if you're here and you don't have that real relationship with Jesus Christ, today is the day to have that relationship, to get to know him, to commit your life to him. If that's you this morning, I want to just pray a quick, simple prayer. Just follow along with me and say, Jesus, I recognize that you are God. I recognize that I have sinned, that I am separated from you, and I desire to be in relationship with you. I confess to you that I am a sinner and that I want to be with you. Fill me. Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, I do encourage you when we start singing this morning, come up and pray with one of the people who are standing throughout to pray with you and let them pray with you and lead you. But you may be here this morning and God's just calling you into a deeper relationship with him. He wants you to be listening to him and you know that. You know you have a purpose and a plan, but maybe you don't know how to walk it out. So how do you walk it out? Come, just come and get in front of him this morning and ask him and then stop talking (laughs) and listen to that flow of thoughts that might come through your head or that picture or vision that might come into your mind. Perhaps he's calling you this morning to remove distractions and you know that you've got them in your life and you know it's what you turn to every single time you have a break. Oh, I can't have a break and not do anything. So maybe he wants you to remove some distractions or to tell your soul to get up. If you need to tell your soul to get up this morning, come to the altar. And perhaps you have your eyes fixed on something other than Jesus. Well, today, Jesus is calling you back to him. So I encourage you to find a place as we enter into worship and just ask him, come Holy Spirit. What do you want to talk to me about?
0: Thank you again for listening to this message. We hope it's been a source of encouragement for you today. If you need prayer or a lot to support this ministry through giving, stop by faithrenewed.org.